Chapter Eight, Part Two of A Problem in Modern Ethics by John Addington Simons. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter Eight, Literature Idealistic, Part Two let us look a little closer at the expression which whitman has given to his own feelings about friendship the first thing that strikes us is the mystic emblem he has chosen for masculine love that is the water plant or scented rush called calamus which springs in wild places in paths untrodden in the growth by margins of pond waters he has chosen these emblematic and capricious blades because of their shyness their aromatic perfume their aloofness from the patent life of the world he calls them sweet leaves pink tinged roots timid leaves scented herbage of my breast finally he says here my last words and the most baffling here the frailest leaves of me and yet my strongest lasting here i shade down and hide my thoughts i do not expose them and yet they expose me more than all my other poems the manliness of the emotion which is thus so shyly mystically indicated appears in the magnificent address to soldiers at the close of the great war over the carnage rose prophetic a voice its tenderness emerges in the elegy on a slain comrade vigil for boy of responding kisses never again on earth responding vigil for comrade swiftly slain vigil i never forget how as day brightened i rose from the chill ground and folded my soldier well in his blanket and buried him where he fell its pathos and clinging intensity transpire through the first lines of the following piece which may have been suggested by the legends of david and jonathan achilles and patroclus orestes and pylades when i pursue the conquered fame of heroes and the victories of mighty generals i do not envy the generals nor the president in his presidency nor the rich in his great house but when i read of the brotherhood of lovers how it was with them how through life through dangers odium unchanging long and long through youth and through middle and old age how unfaltering how affectionate and faithful they were then i am pensive i hastily put down the book and walk away filled with the bitterest envy but whitman does not conceive of comradeship as a merely personal possession delightful to the friends it links in bonds of amity he regards it essentially as a social and political virtue this human emotion is destined to cement society and to render commonwealths inviolable 
reading some of his poems we are carried back to ancient greece to plato's symposium to philip gazing on the sacred band of thebans after the fight at chironea i dreamed in a dream i saw a city invincible to the attacks of the whole of the rest of the earth i dreamed that was the new city of friends nothing was greater there than the quality of robust love it led the rest it was seen every hour in the actions of the men of that city and in all their looks and words and again i believe the main purport of these states is to found a superb friendship exalté previously unknown because i perceive it waits and has been always waiting latent in all men and once again come i will make the continent indissoluble i will make the most splendid race the sun ever yet shone upon i will make divine magnetic lands with the love of comrades with the lifelong love of comrades i will plant companionship thick as trees all along the shores of america and among the shores of the great lakes and all over the prairies i will make inseparable cities with their arms about each other's necks by the love of comrades by the manly love of comrades for you these from me o oh, democracy to serve you ma femme for you for you i am thrilling these songs in the company of walt whitman we are very far away from gibbon and carlier from tardieu and caspar Liman from kraft ebing and ulrichs what indeed has this superb friendship exalté previously unknown which waits and has been always waiting latent in all men that something fierce in me eligible to burst forth ethereal comradeship the last athletic reality what has all this in common with the painful topic of the preceding sections of my essay it has this in common with it whitman recognizes among the sacred emotions and social virtues destined to regenerate political life and to cement nations an intense jealous throbbing sensitive expectant love of man for man a love which yearns in absence droops under the sense of neglect revives at the return of the beloved a love that finds honest delight in hand-touch meeting lips hours of privacy close personal contact he proclaims this love to be not only a daily fact in the present but also a saving and ennobling aspiration while he expressly repudiates disowns and brands as damnable all morbid inferences which may be drawn by malevolence or vicious cunning from his doctrine 
he is prepared to extend the gospel of comradeship to the whole human race he expects democracy the new social and political medium the new religious ideal of mankind to develop and extend that fervid comradeship and by its means to counterbalance and to spiritualize what is vulgar and materialistic in the modern world democracy he maintains infers such loving comradeship as its most inevitable twin or counterpart without which it will be incomplete in vain and incapable of perpetuating itself if this be not a dream if he is right in believing that threads of manly friendship fond and loving pure and sweet strong and life-long carried to degrees hitherto unknown will penetrate the organism of society not only giving tone to individual character and making it unprecedentedly emotional muscular heroic and refined but having deepest relations to general politics then are we perhaps justified in foreseeing here the advent of an enthusiasm which shall rehabilitate those outcast instincts by giving them a spiritual atmosphere an environment of recognized and healthy emotions wherein to expand at liberty and purge away the grossness and the madness of their pariahdom this prospect like all ideals until they are realized in experience may seem fantastically visionary moreover the substance of human nature is so mixed that it would perhaps be fanatical to expect from whitman's chivalry of adhesiveness a more immaculate purity than was attained by the medieval chivalry of amativeness still that medieval chivalry the great emotional product of feudalism though it fell short of its own aspiration bequeathed incalculable good to modern society by refining and clarifying the crudest of male appetites in like manner the democratic chivalry announced by whitman may be destined to absorb control and elevate those darker more mysterious apparently abnormal appetites which we have seen to be widely diffused and ineradicable in the groundwork of human nature returning from the dream the vision of a future possibility it will at any rate be conceded that whitman has founded comradeship the enthusiasm which binds man to man in fervent love upon a natural basis eliminating classical associations of corruption ignoring the perplexed questions of a guilty passion doomed by law and popular antipathy to failure he begins anew with sound and primitive humanity there he discovers a superb friendship exalté previously unknown he perceives that it waits and has been always waiting latent in all men his method of treatment 
fearless and uncowed by any thought of evil his touch upon the matter chaste and wholesome and aspiring reveal the possibility of restoring in all innocence to human life a portion of its alienated or unclaimed moral birthright the aberrations we have been discussing in this treatise are perhaps the morbid symptoms of suppression of hypertrophy or ignorant misregulation in a genuine emotion capable of being raised to good by sympathetic treatment it were well to close upon this note the half as the greeks said is more than the whole and the time has not yet come to raise the question whether the love of man for man shall be elevated through a hitherto unapprehended chivalry to nobler powers even as the barbarous love of man for woman once was this question at the present moment is deficient in actuality the world cannot be invited to entertain it end of chapter eight part two recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey